Well, turn with me, if you would, this morning, please, to 2 Timothy and the first chapter. 2 Timothy 1, for some weeks now we've been on this subject, we're calling true faith. True faith. And in 2 Timothy 1, by the Spirit, Paul writing to Timothy, and he said, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in you also. He's saying, the Spirit's saying through him, you have in you what was in your grandmother and what was in your mother. Faith. You know, uh, more important than getting a college education, more important than getting an inheritance from our parents or grandparents is getting some faith and knowing God. You know, you can have all of money and have the best education in the world and the best things in the natural and be absolutely empty and spiritually bankrupt. So the spiritual things are the most important. And he said, you got that. You got that faith in you that was in them. But he qualifies what kind of faith? What did he say? Unfeigned faith. The Weiss translation says unhypocritical faith. Two or three translations say genuine faith. And uh, another two or three translations say I remember your true faith. If there's an unfeigned faith, what must there be? feigned faith. If there's an unhypocritical faith, what else must there be? Now that sounds strange to us, doesn't it? A hypocritical faith. And yet there has to be, or he wouldn't call this an unhypocritical. A genuine faith. If there's a genuine faith, what must there be? A false, a fake faith. And he went on to say a true faith. Are you interested in true faith? Real faith. Do you want to know the difference between it and the false? Certainly, 2 Corinthians 13.5. 2 Corinthians 13.5 in the NIV says, Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Good News Translation says, Put yourselves to the test. Judge yourselves to find out whether you're living in faith. The New Living says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Are we told in the scripture that we are to check up on ourselves? We are to test ourselves and examine ourselves to see what? Is what I'm calling faith, is it really faith? I'm saying I'm believing. I'm saying I'm in faith. Am I really or is it some kind of a fake pretend something? I don't know that we've looked at this enough in so-called faith circles. We've heard a lot of teaching on faith. But uh, have we talked about fake faith? <laughs> the longer I go, the more I've seen that there's a lot of stuff people call faith. And it's not. It's bringing confusion. It's brought reproach. People were supposed to have been in faith doing certain things. And people have died as a result. Things have been destroyed. Things have been split and, and turned upside down. Families have been split apart. Churches have been split apart. Supposedly somebody was in faith, stepping out by faith. Somebody was doing something believing. 
But you know, God's not the author of confusion. And he's not tearing families apart. And he's not tearing churches apart. That's the work of the thief, the stealer, the killer, the destroyer. So we want to examine, and we've been doing that for some weeks now, examining faith, examining ourselves. Go to Mark 11, that great passage on faith that is Jesus' teaching on faith. He demonstrated faith, and then he taught on what he had done. How many believe Jesus says he walked the earth, he lived by faith? He walked by faith, he operated by faith. No question about it. And in this 11th chapter, he uh, spoke, you know, to that fig tree. And uh, you couldn't see anything immediately, but over a period of some 24 hours or so, it changed. It changed where you couldn't see under the ground, and then it showed up in the leaves and in the outside. And that's the way faith works today in every area. It affects things in the spirit immediately. And then it shows up on the outside. Might be tomorrow, might be the next day, might be next week or next month, but it works. So don't be moved if you don't see anything the moment you speak a word of faith. Jesus didn't, you know, they couldn't see anything when he spoke. And how many think he was operating at a high level? And the whole thing had occurred in 24 hours. And in verse uh, 22, Jesus teaching them about this happening. He said, have faith in God. Verse 23, for verily I say to you that whosoever, so who will this work for? Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So last time we talked about this, true faith, we said true faith speaks. And we went back and looked at Romans 10, how you get born again. You believe in your heart, you speak with your mouth. And here he's talking about the same thing, believing in your heart and not doubting, and speaking with your mouth. Just because you said it doesn't mean you believed it. There's been a lot of confusion in this area. Some said, I've been making confessions. I said it. I said it. Well, that's not all there is to it. Saying it's good. And when you say it, you hear it. And faith comes by hearing. But there's a lot of people saying a lot of things, but they don't believe it. They're not convinced in their heart yet. If you weren't with us last time, we talked about different kinds of confession. We talked about a confession of convenience which is not a faith confession. We talked about a confession of convincing. It's not a faith confession. And then we talked about a confession of confidence, where you are persuaded of what you're saying. You really do believe what you're saying. And that's what he's talking about, isn't it? Not just saying something, but believe in your heart what you say and don't doubt what you say. Look at that phrase again, though. Whoever will say to the mountain. And then it goes on to say, and shall not doubt in his heart. Read that next phrase with me. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. Now let's stop right here. What did he say you must believe? 
Now, a lot of times people might be thinking, well, believe what God said. That's not what he said. Certainly you're to believe what God said. But that's not what he said here. What did he say that you're to believe? You are to believe what you say. Now, we want to talk about that this morning. In order to be a person of faith and then live and walk by faith and get results in faith, real faith, true faith, you have to believe what you say. Certainly you have to believe what God says, but you also have to believe what you say. And here's where some difficulties come in. If you know in your own heart that part of the time what you say is not true, are false, then it's going to be difficult for you to believe what you say because you know your own self. Part of the time, you don't even believe what you say. You know, if I lied to you the last eight out of ten times that I talked to you, but then I said, yeah, but you got to believe me this time. Are you going to have difficulty? Believe in me. Why? The last eight out of ten times I was lying. But now you got to believe me this time. Now can you see the conflict? Your confidence is undermined in my word because I've lied to you so many times. Well, if you've lied yourself so many times, your confidence is undermined in yourself. Now, I know sometimes people might think it's just kind of a soapbox of mine talking about honesty and not lying. And what a terrible thing lying is. But I'm telling you, it's not just me. You can't be a person of faith unless you're a person of integrity, an honest person. And you can, you know, Phyllis and I have talked about this before, that what we've seen in other ministers and other ministries I go more by what I get in my spirit about somebody than what I'm seeing and hearing out here. And by how what kind of amazing doctrines they have or even amazing miracle they had. The spirit of a person is more important than their doctrine. And one of the ways you can tell who's a real man of God, who's a real woman of God, who's a real Christian, who's a real faith person... The more of a real Christian, real man of God they are, the less phony they will be. The more real, the more genuine. If somebody's supposed to be this amazing anointed person over here, but they're telling you on the side, oh, just hide that, forget that. No, tell them this instead of this. Don't you believe it. They're not the man of God you think they are. This shows it. There's no. How many understand... God is light. And in Him is no none. No darkness at all. How many understand there's no way God could be a partner at all to a lie? I mean, there are very few things that are impossible to God, and this is one of them. It is impossible for God to lie. So, one of the problems that occur with this is we live in such a world of falseness. The devil is called the God of this world, isn't he? And he is also in John 8, Jesus said, he is a liar 
And he is the father of it. Hmm? How many of God did not create lying? God didn't create it. The devil came up with it. In, the Bible said iniquity was found in him. And this was a big part of it. He's a deceiver. And so in the world system, everything that he is a big part of is full of fakeness and phoniness and hypocrisy. And I want you to think for just a minute about who are the big idols in our country and even in the world. Today in society, who are some of the biggest idols, as people call them, there are pictures on the billboards and the magazine covers who? Actors. And hypocrisy, that is the literal definition of hypocrisy, is an actor. One who takes on a role. One who assumes a character. And it's amazing that, you know, we've got a whole generation of children and young people and teenagers, they look up more to somebody that can take on a role and completely fool you that they're this person instead of who they really are instead of somebody in science or military or the things of God or that's real and doesn't have a false bone in their body. They're just kind of in the background. And you and me, everybody here, has probably watched entirely too much TV and movies. And what that amounts to is thousands of hours of phoniness. They're not really there. They're not really who they're trying to portray. It's a cardboard house. It's a fan blowing some wind. They got a wig on. It's a fake accent. They're not really from that country. Right? And we're a whole generation and country and world that feeds on fakery. That feeds on falseness. Is that okay? No. It's a problem. Because I know it is from just dealing with people in ministry. I've had uh, young couples sit in front of me ready to divorce. And uh, I think in one particular thing and the one lady said, well... You know, he don't treat me like so-and-so treats so-and-so. And I said, who's that? And he looked at me and rolled his eyes. He said, it's a movie, Brother Keith. <laughs> he was hurting, I felt for him. I said, what, what do you mean? He was, in the movie, they go and describe, in the movie, he did this and this and this, and I hadn't quite lived up to that, so you don't think. I looked at her, I said, dear, it's a movie. Yeah, but so and so and so. No, no, listen. These people are not really in love. The director goes, cut. (laughs) And they walk back to their trailer. He's on his fourth marriage. She's on her ninth relationship, never been married. Their life is a mess. It's a disaster. They're not like this. It's called acting. And yet people are comparing their lives to this phoniness. And see, the devil is out to try to get you to live in a phony world. Because if the truth will make you free, 
Lies will bind you up. Lies will put you and keep you in darkness and bondage. We don't just need to feed on foolishness and fakery and falseness. We need to feed on truth, reality, genuineness, honesty, and walk in truth. And when we speak something, it's the truth. Something that my own heart can believe is coming out of my mouth. Listen to this word in James. In James, I believe it's the uh, third verse. No, excuse me. It's the first verse. It's the first chapter. James 1, 26. This is the BBE. If a man seems to have religion and has no control over his tongue, but lets himself be tricked by what is false, this man's religion is of no value. Now, see, we've gone from false faith to false religion. If a man seems to have religion, and what? Now, aren't we talking about what comes out of your mouth? Being something you can believe? Has no control over his tongue, but lets himself be tricked by what is false. That means his tongue is involved in falseness. What's the result? This man's religion is of no value. That means his church going. All his stuff of the ceremony of Christianity that he's going through is for nothing. How many understand? Fakery is vain. Falseness is empty. It's never going to produce anything in your life except bondage and heartache. In the uh, Matthew 15, you'd have to turn there, but Matthew 15, 7 and 8, it says, Jesus said, you hypocrites, Matthew 15, 7, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you saying, this people draw near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now this is the fake faith that we're talking about. Is it possible to be saying something with your mouth, but your heart is far from it? Is that a problem? That's not real faith. Are you going to get results just because you're saying it, and your heart is far from it? No, no. You must, Mark eleven twenty three. you must believe what you say. And how many know you can't talk foolishness and junk and be fake, you know, all week, and then it comes time to release faith, and now you're going to flip a switch and become faith man? (laughs) It's like me lying to you the last eight times and saying, now, believe me this time. No, no, your heart, you've confused your own heart. Now, go with me, if you would, to uh, Matthew, the sixth chapter. Matthew 6. What is hypocrisy? We said already it means acting, pretending, assuming a role, taking on a character. Now, when's the last time somebody came to you and said, you know, pray for me. I'm a big hypocrite. (laughs) I am just a big, fat, phony hypocrite. When's the last time you ever heard that? No, uh uh-uh. Well, then does that mean there's no hypocrisy around? No, no, what it means is there's all kind of a hypocrisy around, and people are not owning up to it. 
Nobody wants to admit, I'm full of baloney about this. You know, nobody wants to admit. But the truth is, everybody in this room has been false about something at some point or time in their life. And it's not okay. It's ungodly. It's devilish. And it's not for us to look back. But if we're going to be a, a person of faith and live and walk by faith, we've got to get rid of the phoniness. We've got to get rid of the junk. Got to get rid of the hypocrisy. Let's look at a, a good explanation of hypocrisy from Jesus' words in uh, Matthew 6. Matthew 6 and verse 1. He said, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Verse 2, When you do your alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say to you, they have their reward. Verse 5, When you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of streets that they may be seen of men. Verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites. Don't be like the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to fast. What does it mean? So that everybody will know they're fasting. Verily I say to you, they have their reward. Now here is the acid test of hypocrisy. Would you do it exactly the same way if they weren't around? Would you say the same thing? Would you do the same thing? Would you act the same way if you were by yourself? If they weren't watching you? If they weren't around you? If you're different in front of them than you are by yourself, hypocrisy is involved. And it's not okay. I said it's not okay. How many understand there's a big problem with this in the church, in ministry? People put on airs. Even good people can get caught up in this stuff. But would it affect your faith life? Would it affect you? Because even though you might not admit it to somebody else, in your own heart, you know how full of baloney you are. You know. And uh, when you go to speak a word of faith, that's going to come up in you. And how many know the devil's the condemner? He's always ready to be right there and go, you liar. You know you don't believe half what you say. Why are you going to act like you believe it now? <laughs> so... We must put away from us all fakery, all falseness. And please, don't sit in here today and assume you've arrived in this. <laughs> please don't. We live in a world full of falseness, don't we? I mean, how many know, don't, you don't have to raise your hand or stand up and testify, but how many know people are putting on fronts? All over the place. And they've done it so much. And they've done it so long. They think it's normal now. But how many know. All things are open. And naked. 
before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. How many know you can't snow God? You can't even begin to fool him. He sees it coming before the thought got good in your mind. Before you form the words. And the Bible says he will not even regard vanity. You stand up and talking a bunch of flowery stuff. And you're supposed to be praying. But you're giving somebody a lecture over God's shoulder. God's not even hearing it. He's not even in the conversation. He does not regard vanity. He, you know, Jesus gave us an example of that. One fellow that thought he was so pious, and he said, Oh, Father, I thank Thee. I'm not like other men. I fast. I tithe. I keep the law. I serve You with righteousness and integrity. I thank Thee. I'm not like this publican. And the Bible said he was praying with himself. <laughs> Jesus said he was praying with himself. God says, I ain't even in that. I am not in the room with that. But then the publican wouldn't even lift his head. He ain't a church goer. He don't know any Bible. He's lived a terrible life. And he goes, oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God said, that man went down to his house justified rather than this other guy. You know, we've said it before. You've heard me say it. But it's absolutely the truth. Give me a sinner who knows they're a sinner any day over somebody full of hot air that wants to give you nine scriptures why it's okay that they stay in sin. Hmm? And 40 excuses. And not honest with themselves. You try to fool you about what they already know. See, God himself can't help you if you refuse to acknowledge the truth. Remember in Timothy, he talks about praying for people and praying for others. And this prayer, it's a tremendous prayer you can pray for your relatives. He said, uh, Lord, grant them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. So uh, what's going on? I mean, people, so many times, they don't need prayer. They don't need somebody laying hands on them. All they got to do is repent and admit what they know. And the humble get grace. And by the grace of God, you'll come out of any bondage. But you keep trying to act like you don't know. And you keep trying, you keep lying and, and dissembling and trying to fool. Well, you'll stay in sin. You'll stay in bondage. And it'll continue year after year. Luke 12, don't turn there, but Luke 12, 1 and 2, uh, he said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. He said, There's nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. You know, if it is coming out, either now or later, we might as well get it right. Is it coming out? Now or later? There's no such thing as things that you know, people get away with. Nobody ever gets away with anything. Someone says, I know somebody that did. Hey, it ain't over. Right. Well, they're dead. It's over. No, it ain't over. You don't just have this life. You got the next. Some things come out now. Some things come out later. If it's bad, you want to get it under the blood. Yeah. Right? Get it under the blood. Don't stay with it. Get it under the blood and get it washed away. And then it's gone. 
But then you can't get up the next day and start doing it again. And be okay. Get back into the falseness. Truth. Reality is essential to the walk of faith. Go with me if you would over to Galatians. Galatians, the second chapter. This is something that it will be very obvious how this can work. And uh, how even good people, even spiritual people, good people can get carried away in falseness in others. In uh, Galatians 2... Beginning over about verse 4, Galatians 2. Anybody know the truth in the text that we're elaborating upon? If you're going to be a faith person, what has to happen? you got to believe what you say, which means you can't be a hypocrite. Galatians 2 and verse 4, he said, False brethren unawares came in to spy out our liberty. Somebody say, False brethren. Verse 5, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. False faith, false religion, false brethren, is it an issue? Yeah. And he said, but I wouldn't give place to them, not for any amount of time, so that the truth, somebody say the truth. The truth, the truth of the gospel would continue with you. Skip on down to about verse 9. When James and Cephas or Peter and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go to the heathen and they to the circumcision. I told you the heathen was ours. Verse 10, only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face. Hmm. That was probably kind of tense. Because he was to be blamed. He was wrong. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Friend, if you're led by fear, you will be led out of the will of God. You'll be led into confusion and destruction and loss. Do not allow yourself to be led by fear any time in any area of life. Don't be led by fear. And the other Jews dissembled likewise. Dissemble means uh, sometimes same word translated hypocrisy or hypocritically. They dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. And when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to what? According to what? The truth of the gospel I said to Peter before them all in front of everybody. If you, being a Jew, live after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? In other words, both of these can't be right. You were living like this till they showed up. And then you changed. And you started acting differently. And you started preaching something different. When they showed up. Now friend, listen to me. These are good people, aren't they? Yes, sir. Peter, yes. Barnabas, 
Let me read this to you from another translation, the New Living. New Living Translation says, When Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. I don't think Paul did this haughtily and proudly. He said, I had to do it. Why? Because they're trying to corrupt the gospel. They're trying to change the truth of the gospel. For what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with Gentile Christians who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, James was, you know, the head of the local church, the mother church. Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas was led astray with their hypocrisy. Barnabas is a good man. The Bible says he was a good man. When the Bible says you're a good man, you're a good man. Peter made some mistakes, but Peter's a spiritual man. Peter hears from God. Peter has miracles. Peter preaches and thousands of people get saved. But here him and Barnabas, good men, spiritual men, get caught up and carried away with the crowd into fake believing. Didn't they? Now friend, this is important. This is so vital. It's either real to you or it's not. You either see it Or you don't. You're not supposed to just go along with the crowd. Phyllis and I, we've been in situations already in our life in ministry. We've been in meetings where thousands of people just go nuts over nothing. (laughs) They rant, they rave, they scream, they run over something that's unscriptural. This has happened repeatedly. What are we talking about? You either see it or you don't. It's either real to you or it's not. I don't care if it's something you heard me preach. I don't care who it is. Go to 1 John. What kind of faith are we talking about? True faith. Real faith. Can you just ride on somebody else's faith? Say, well, they're spiritual. They pray. They hear from God. They said it sounds strange, but hey, they're spiritual. Sounds weird, but hey, that's so-and-so. They're a prophet. Boy, I never heard, I never thought about that before, but wow, she's spiritual. He's spiritual. Do not just follow somebody and try to say you're believing something and say something and it's not real to you and you don't see it. Do not, I don't care who it is. I don't care how much you love him. I don't care how much you respect him. How many understand? Peter is a good man. Peter's a spiritual man. Barnabas is a good man. But if you'd have followed Peter and Barnabas on this occasion, you'd have missed God. And it doesn't mean that they're just heretics. It doesn't mean they're blasphemers. It doesn't mean they're enemies of the body of Christ. They're some of the best uh, gifts that's in the body of Christ. And yet, if you'd have followed them, you'd have missed God. You'd have followed them into error. Let me say it again now. You help me with it. If you don't see it, if you don't see it, you don't see it. Yeah, but what if they see it crystal clear? What if they see it and they think everybody ought to see it? 
If you don't see it, you don't see it. Don't say that you do. Don't just go with the crowd. If it's not real to you, don't act like you believe it. And try to talk like you're believing it. No. If you think maybe it's something you should see, put your nose in the book. Study. Get before the Lord. Search. Pray. Wait on Him. But if after six months of that or a year of that, you still don't see it, well, you don't see it. Maybe it ain't anything to see. (laughs) Maybe they're wrong. Maybe all 20,000 of them are wrong. Maybe all million of them across the earth are wrong. Do you have the Holy Spirit inside you? Is there just one Holy Spirit? Would it be the same Holy Spirit that would be in any man of God? Any real man or woman of God? You got the same Spirit they have in them? Are you sure? Somebody say, same Spirit. I got the same Spirit then you're not just dependent on them to tell you what's right. Oh, friend, this is one of the greatest things about us having a new and better covenant. 1 John 2, are you there? 1 John 2 and uh, 26. 2.26. These things have I written to you Concerning them that seduce you. What would that mean? Are they trying to fool you? What does he say to people that somebody's trying to fool them? Verse 27, what does he say? But the anointing which you have received of him abides, it stays in you, lives in you, and you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is what? Come on, help me out. Is what? Is truth, and is no lie. And even as it has taught you, you shall abide in, here it calls the anointing, Him. Him. The anointing, manifestation of the person, of the Holy Spirit. Can y'all put up the New Living translation of that, please, on the screen? New Living, 1 John 2.26. Now, sometimes people get confused about this. Well, I, you mean we don't need any teachers? We don't need any preachers? Well, now, you know other scripture tells you we do. Jesus, when he ascended on high, he gave gifts to, the, to men. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. He gave gifts. And the Bible says, how shall they hear without a preacher? Right? So obviously, it's an important part of our life and experience that we have these ministry gifts in the body, in our life. But what's he saying here? Read this. I like the way the New Living says it. He said, I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. Next verse, verse 27. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you. And you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. You do need teachers. You do need preachers. But you are not dependent on anybody to tell you, I know you don't see it. I know it ain't real to you, but I'm telling you, believe it. So believe it. What do you say? I'm sorry. (laughs) And I love you, and you've helped me so much. But if I don't see it, 
I don't see it. And if it's not real to me, it's not real to me. For me to tag along behind you and say, okay, you've had a vision, you've had a revelation, you said this is what needs to be done, and this is what everybody's supposed to be believing and doing, and so we'll just join in and say, yeah, I believe it, I say it, you can be saying it, but your heart be far from it, and it is fake, it is phony, and it's a waste of your life. And it can be worse than that. You can follow people into error. And destruction. Even good people can miss it. It's obvious by what we just read. You don't need anyone. How many like that? Man, this is freedom, isn't it? This is safety. This is protection. You don't need me. You don't need anybody to sit you down and go, Now, you have to come to me and I'll tell you what's right. I'll tell you what's true. I'll tell No, no. You say, Hey, brother, you just preach and I'll check my heart. <laughs> you just give what you got, and I'll check this book, and I'll check my heart. <laughs> right? I'm not dependent on any man to tell me. And what happens is somebody, just like what happened right here, somebody comes up and says, now this is what you're supposed to do, and this is what we and you know, they're very persuasive. And then somebody else goes, well, that's so-and-so. They're spiritual. So... Okay, all right, that's what we believe. And they start saying it. And then three other people join in. And then ten other people join in. And then people say, well, there's 50 people. They're persuaded. It must be right. So another 150 join in. Right? Next thing you know, you got a movement. But I don't care if nine million people are doing it every day and night. If you don't see it, you don't see it. If it's not real to you, It's not real to you. Don't jump on the wagon. Don't be carried with the crowd. And let's learn how to hook up our mouth to our heart. And break ourselves. I'm not just talking about on Sunday when you're in church. Break yourself. I don't care if it's Tuesday afternoon at the workplace. I don't care if it's Thursday morning with the kids. Break yourself from talking a bunch of stuff that you don't really believe. Keep your mouth connected to your heart. Say what you believe and believe what you say. Everybody stand up, please. Say it out loud. Say what I believe. Believe what I say. Say it again. Say what I believe and believe what I say. Let's practice. If you've been one, the kind that just talks, 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 quit that. Quit it. You can't develop doing that. Just motor mouthing all day and night. Quit that. Check your heart. You talk, check up on yourself. Just kind of walk up in the back door of your mind sometime. And see what you're doing. Didn't the Bible say examine yourself? Test yourselves? You're talking a bunch of stuff. Do you really believe all this? Are you just mocking, mimicking somebody else? Is this really real to you? Do you really believe it? And here's something that will help you. If you'll discipline yourself, it will change your life on this. What if everything that came out of your mouth happened? What if everything that came out of your mouth came to pass? Is there anybody that that happens with? Your Father God. Everything that comes out of his mouth, every word that comes out of his lips happens. 
You and I are made in His likeness and image. We're told to imitate Him like children do their fathers and their parents. What if everything that happened came out of your mouth? That'll help you to see, do I really believe what I'm saying? Or am I just talking some stuff? If you just said, you know, man, that tickled me to death. (laughs) What if everything that came out of your mouth, it didn't tickle you to death. You're still alive. Didn't scare you to death. Here you are. But that kind of stuff has infiltrated every part of our life. It surrounds us in everything we do, everywhere we go. There is fakery, falseness, phoniness, hypocrisy, deception. But we can't live like that and live the victorious faith life God's called us to. How many think 24-7, 24-7, you should say what you believe and not other stuff? And you should believe what you say. And if you're not sure about it, what do you do? <laughs> you keep thinking about it and studying about it. Right? Keep that mouth shut and keep looking. Yeah, but everybody else is excited and everybody else is thrilled. You know, Philip, there's been a good half a dozen times just in the last 30 years that the Lord has spared us. From serious loss of money, serious loss of ministry, and serious error of uh, doctrine and teaching. There's been a half a dozen times God has spared us already. Thank God. And a lot of our friends, good people, good people. But just like Peter and Barnabas, lost money, lost millions Got mixed up in things that had to come back later and repent for and tell the people that's wrong. I taught you that, but that's not right. And why? And it wasn't easy at the time. There were times everybody's excited. Everybody's going with this thing. And we're like, man, we want to get excited. But we're not. And they wanted us to be excited with them. And we're like, yay. Yay. But they left and we looked at each other and thought, you got it? No. You see that? No. And then sometimes for months we'd go, Lord, if we're not seeing this, show us. Lord, if there's something here we're missing, show us. Help us to see it. But when month after month went by and we still don't see it, how many know you need to be true to what you got in your heart, to your own, right? You need to be true. And I'm telling you, God's already spared us half a dozen times major things. How many know He'll do that for every individual? He'll do that for every church. He'll do that for every... It's real simple. If you don't see it, you don't see it. Don't judge them. Don't judge them. Don't rain on their parade. But don't join it either. Unless and until you really do see it and you really do believe it. Say it one more time. Say what you believe. Only. Only. And believe what you say. say. Always. Always. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Lift your hands. Let's begin to praise the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your goodness today. Thank you for your mercy. Your love. You are so wonderful. You are so good. Oh, Lord, we worship you. We worship you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, 
you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.